Before we get to the show, did you know you can get more insights just like the ones you're listening to right here on Seeking Wisdom delivered right to your inbox? Sign up to get my weekly newsletter. It's called The One Thing at drift.com slash DC. What's going on? It's DC here. I'm here to tell you about an exciting episode of Seeking Wisdom that we've never before released. And this episode is with Nir Ayel. Now, Nir Ayel is an Israeli-born American author. He's a lecturer and investor. He's got this amazing best-selling book that I've loved and have given away to so many people. It's called Hooked. And it's about how do you build habit-forming products. He's also written a book called Indistractable on how to take control of attention. He's amazing. And I spoke to him in person at Hypergrowth 2019, right? Hypergrowth is our conference, happens every year, and it's on its way back. So stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to talk about growth, engagement, monetization, all of that stuff. If you're a product founder, if you're someone from from a marketing background who cares about this stuff, this is going to blow your mind. And we're going to talk about how you minimize distractions how you get away from Slack and email and all that stuff. So that's something that everyone can learn from. So I am excited for you to finally listen to this episode that we've kept deep in the crates. Remember, six-star only certified podcast. See ya. So thank you for joining us. Like Absolutely. I'm obsessed. We have a book club at Drift. And one of the books that we give out is your previous book called Hooked. And that one has been a big one for us. But now you've written this new book, right? And what made you shift from a very like domain specific, I think almost like techie growth loop kind of mind to more general? Yeah. Yeah. So Hooked was really written for the person who is building a habit forming product. It's about how to build healthy habits Mm -hmm. in users' lives. Because I I really think that, you know, for, for so many businesses, they are so dependent, their business model depends on repeat engagement. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, when I started to uncover some of the deeper psychology behind how products are designed to bring people back, I wanted to democratize those mm-hmm. techniques. I wanted everyone to know how Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and, and Slack, how they are designed to bring us back so that we can all use those techniques for good and to democratize those techniques. But of course, the question I kept getting asked is, okay, so you taught people how to build good habits. What about the bad habits? habits. And so that's where Indistractable came from. What got you into that world to be able to write Hooked in the first place? Yeah. Because it was like so inside. Yeah. I started two tech companies. Yeah. The last of which was at the intersection of gaming and advertising. Mm -hmm. And I had this front row seat to see how you know, these companies would come and go and some of them would would be really successful and others would kind of uh, peter out solely based on the engagement of their users that, you know, we, we talk a lot about growth and growth is very important, but it's only one of three legs of the stool, right? You need growth, you need engagement, and you need monetization. And so I saw a lot out there about growth, but I didn't see a lot around engagement. And the, and the, the thing about engagement is that you can't buy engagement, right? You can buy growth, right? But if you buy a lot of growth with advertising and yep. you know, a, lot, a lot of campaigns to, to buy users, if you can't keep them around, you're a leaky bucket, mm-hmm. right? Just users come in and they all, they all fall out. And so it was imperative, I believe, to, to build the kind of products that not only can grow the user base, but also can retain them. If you want to grow your business, you have to figure out ways to keep people coming back. That company that you had where you discovered that, that was called Ad Nectar, is that right? Right, right. Because a common friend of yours, Jules, was telling me about that. And he was like, oh, is this company Ad Nectar? I was like, I totally remember that company. Because yeah. I, had, I had a company at the same time 
in the same space. It was called Lookery. Yeah, we did, uh, yeah. We did uh, social gaming. Totally, well, same totally. Thing. So that we had a very common experience yeah. then. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so that's where I started to see firsthand some of these patterns. But then I had seen no one write about them. Right? They were kind of like these secret patterns from certain people, like yeah. at Zynga and other people. Yeah. And then no one wrote about it in general. That's why I was fascinated when your book came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea, I didn't invent these techniques. They were yeah. being used, but they were being used by companies saying, well, that's what our competition does, or that's what we did last time, without a real based understanding of why these things actually work. Yeah. And so I didn't, you know, a lot of these techniques were used by the gaming companies, by advertisers, by social networks. But I figured, you know, what if we could use these techniques to help people exercise more mm -hmm. and save money and be more productive at work? And that's exactly what's happened in the past five years since I wrote Hook, that you know, thousands of companies have used these very same techniques mm -hmm. to build healthy habits. So you, if you go back in time, you grew up in Israel and you emigrated to the U.S.? No, I actually, I grew up in uh, Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida, yeah. it's nothing like Israel. It's nothing like Israel. Yeah. I left when I was three yeah. years old. Oh, know? three years old. Yeah. Okay, yeah. What led you to from Israel to Orlando, Florida? My parents pursued the American dream, and uh, Orlando had really good schools, and yeah. it was relatively close to Israel versus, you know, California or, you know, West Weather Coast. Weather-wise? Weather-wise, not that dissimilar. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and then I, I went to school in Atlanta, and then migrated up to New York, and then from New York moved to, to California for business school. I always say that I want to do a book one day, or, or uh, a documentary, just to figure out kind of, because my parents emigrated here as well, to the U.S., like the immigration patterns, because sometimes you'll just talk to someone who will go from somewhere totally different to like the middle of the country, small town, and I can never figure out like what is the story that got someone yeah. from, you know, someplace in Africa all the way to, you know, someplace in Mississippi. Yeah, where okay. did your parents immigrate from? Uh, my, my mom immigrated from Ecuador and my dad from Puerto Rico. And then they met in New York City. And, and you grew up there? Yeah, I grew up there. And so, uh, yeah, it's just a fascinating kind of passage. So if you think about your latest book, Indistractable, which I'm listening to on, on Audible, what led you there you know i get the patterns of the reversing it but what made you want to write another book yeah so for me it was really a personal need that in my life you know when i wrote hooked i didn't have many people calling me i wasn't very busy i yeah. wasn't kind of you know nobody heard of me and when the book started to succeed you know we've yeah. sold a quarter million copies now of hooked what? yeah really that's amazing <laughs> so somehow it went you know i wrote it for people who are making habit forming yeah. products and i self-published it at first and i thought okay this would be you know a few thousand people would yeah. buy it Somehow it reached a wider audience of people outside of tech mm -hmm. were interested in it as well. Then I started getting a lot of phone calls. I started getting a lot of consulting engagements and speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the one thing that had made me successful, the research and the writing, now was crowded out by all these other opportunities, which was great. But what I really loved to do and what I, I missed doing was writing. And so I would sit down on my desk and I'd say, okay, now I'm going to write. And I would get distracted. Right? Yeah. I, would, I would check email. <laughs> I would you know, Google something. I would constantly get distracted. And falling so, into the same patterns that you wrote about? Well, no, that's same when hooked? I started writing. Oh, okay, about. okay, got it. Not, not so much. You know, so hooked is really about healthy habits. Habits, so, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think I really succumbed to to these bad habits that you typically think of, like social media, yes. that was you know, or gaming. But I tell you what, like email, yeah, was a, it's a constant distraction. Totally. Still can be a constant distraction, and that's I think is something that's very very important. That you know, people think of distraction, they only think of the obvious stuff. Yep. You know, they think about social media and video games. But I would argue that anything that is not what you plan to do with your time is a distraction. Mm -hmm. And those distractions are actually more sinister because we think to ourselves, oh, I'm just checking email. That's kind of working. Yeah, yeah, I, I need yeah, to do that anyway. Yeah, yeah. But if it's not what you plan to do with your time, it is distraction. a distraction. What are the habits that you form yourself now? And I know that for me, I constantly have to reevaluate my habits and change them over time and figure out what sticks and what doesn't. But what are the habits now that you have that 
help you with this distraction? Yeah, so indistractable is a very systematic approach yeah. to dealing with distractions. Four parts, mm -hmm. and it took me five years to write this book because there's wow. so much folk psychology and misinformation out there on how to manage distraction and procrastination and focus. And one of the biggest myths is that the technology is the problem. Yep. And I don't agree no, at no, all. No, that technology yeah. is the tool. The thing is we don't know how to use the technology mm -hmm. or many times it's misused on us. Yeah, sure. Meaning that you know one of the most important chapters in the book is this chapter on workplace culture mm -hmm. and how what I found was that distraction in the workplace is a symptom of dysfunctional company culture. Yeah. Yeah. That when companies have a healthy workplace culture, distraction is a problem that people can talk about, yep. right? So the real problem is that we can't talk about the problem of distraction. <laughs> and so at companies like Slack, for example, yep. Slack is a company I profiled in the book, they don't have a problem with tech distraction. Even though you would think, look, Slack is, it's, you know, this product. The epitome. Yeah, right, everybody yeah, complains that Slack is yeah. distracting us, but if you go to Slack, you know, they should be the most distracted people on earth. They're not. And why is that? <laughs> because of three things. So number one, they have a culture of psychological safety. Okay. And psychological safety is this, this tenant where people can talk about their problems without fear of getting fired. Mm -hmm. So that's the first criteria. People yeah. can raise their hand and say, hey boss, you know, this isn't working for me. Can we talk yeah. about this? And it turns out that that, that is a very important trait. If you look at corporate malfeasance from yep. Hawaii, the 737 disaster to Enron, there's always people who knew about the problem but mm -hmm. didn't want to talk because they were afraid of getting fired. So when we look at distraction as a problem like let any other, when we open the ability of employees to talk about their problems without fear of retribution, we can fix the problem yep. of distraction. So that's number one. Number two is that they have a forum to talk about the problem. So many companies, you know, they don't give people a place to talk about their, yeah. their concerns. So at Slack, it's interesting, they actually use Slack channels. To do it? To do it, uh -huh. right. They have this one Slack channel called Beef Tweets where you can yeah. post anything, <laughs> any beef I about the that. company. Yeah. And so that's number two. And then number three, and most importantly, is that the company management needs to exemplify what it means to be indistractable. Mm -hmm. That culture flows downhill. Yep. And so if management is always on, always connected, always pinging and dinging people, well then this drives people crazy. And in fact, it's been shown to lead to even more distraction. You know, we know that about half of the emails that you send and receive every day, you did not need to send and receive. Mm -hmm. We've all seen these superfluous meetings that yep. people call. Mm -hmm. So we think about, you know, just the technology distracting us, but in actuality, between the emails and the meetings all day, you know, the average knowledge worker only has about an hour and a half all day to do yeah. anything but meetings and email. Mm -hmm. And so that constant reacting yeah. is taking a toll on our ability to reflect. But it's only through reflection that we actually solve our difficult problems. We need time to think. And so when a company can promote this kind of indistractable environment from the top down, that's really where we see, start to see things take hold. And in fact, if you go into Slack headquarters, mm -hmm. you will see a big sign in pink neon letters that says, work hard and go home. <laughs> I love it that. actually says that on the company yeah. walls because yeah, everybody that. at the company, from Stuart Butterfield on yeah. down, believes in this principle that when we're at work, we're gonna work, work and when we're at home, home, we're at home. Believe. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And if you were creating a company, if you were back creating a company, how do you think you would encourage creating this psychological safety right, in yeah. your company? So it really comes from walking the walk, mm -hmm. right? not just talking the talk. Yeah. Right? You can say, oh, please, we want your feedback. But if people notice that people who speak their minds are fired yeah. <laughs> or treated differently, differently. Yeah. Then, then that's it. So there's a whole, there's, there's a lot of literature out there. Google did this seminal study yep. on psychological yep. safety and they found that actually the teams that perform best were not, you know, we're constantly told this myth, I think, in the startup community that, you know, A players hire A, totally, a players, totally, yeah. that all it's, it's about the, getting the best people, people there. And it's good, you should get good people. Yeah. But here's the thing, 
that's not the most important trait. Mm -hmm. That what Google found was it wasn't the best people that had the best teams. It was the teams that had psychological safety yeah. to talk about their the problems. problems. Yeah. Those were the people who did best mm -hmm. on a team basis. And so that's it's a it is an incredibly important trait. After selling a quarter of a million books with Hooked, what led you to want to write another book? Because to me, we've written one, I've written one and it seems incredibly painful. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. I mean, I, I write books when I read everyone else's book on the topic and they don't satisfy me. They don't answer mm -hmm. my problem. So I read every book about building engaging products, but they didn't nail it for me. There was a lot of books out there about how to build personal habits. There was yeah. a lot of books about how to build product, but there wasn't a book about how to build habit-forming products. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to write that book for myself. Yeah. And then with Indistractable, there are a lot of books about focus and time management. There were a lot of books about technology overuse, but there wasn't a book specifically about how to fight distraction. Yeah. And I tried what the other books told me to do. I got rid of my technology. I got a flip phone. I got a you word did? processor. Oh, I did all that because that's what the books tell. I so, went on this thirty-day digital detox. Yep. It doesn't work. No. It didn't work for me no. because I didn't address the real root cause of why I was getting distracted. That that the big revelation for me is that distraction is not just about the external triggers, yep. the pings and dings and rings. Most distraction starts from within. Mm -hmm. It's the internal triggers. It's anxiety, uncertainty, mm -hmm. stress. Totally. We are looking for emotional pacification mm -hmm. from some kind of distraction, whether it's too much tech, too much booze, too much news. Yeah. It's all about fixing something inside of us that we don't want to feel and we turn to that distraction impulsively. So just blaming the thing outside of us mm -hmm. doesn't fix the problem. We have to figure out what's going on inside as well. Yeah, I love that you write and talk about that because to me, I always think that these are just human patterns. These are not technology. We get so lost in talking about technology. Like there is no technology. There's just humans and patterns. And those patterns have largely been the same. And everything is usually a distraction from addressing the real problems, right? Those human, either communication problems or problems that you have in your own life that you haven't addressed. And all of these things are reactions to them, right? Yeah. They're kind of like the surface. Now, I will say that if you are looking for distraction. Oh, yeah. It's easier. It's easier than ever mm -hmm. to find, mm -hmm. right? So that's for sure that these, these products do prey to some degree yeah. on these emotional needs. For sure. But that doesn't mean we're helpless and hopeless. Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of tech critics want to perpetuate this myth that I think is very harmful that technology is addicting everyone, yeah. that technology is hijacking your brain. That is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, teaching people that is harmful because mm -hmm. it leads to what we call learned helplessness. People yep. say, oh, there's nothing I can do. That, exactly. Look at my kids acting crazy because of the video game or yeah, yeah. I can't do anything. The Facebook algorithm has mm -hmm. me you know, trapped. Yeah. And it's, it's not helpful and it's not true. Besides buying the book, where else should we send people to learn yeah. more about this Indistractable? I appreciate it. So uh, Indistractable, is, the subtitle is How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. It's available wherever books are sold. And my blog is Near mm. and Far, and Near Great is like spell like my first name, N-I-R, N-I-R and Far.com. And of course, you can go to indistractable.com. There's a video course and a workbook and all kinds of freebies there as well. That's awesome. Let me know what you thought of this episode by texting me at 1-212-380-1036. Again, one 212 3801036. Now, if you're looking for more leadership insights, sign up for my weekly newsletter, The One Thing, at drift.com slash DC. Every week, I'll share a habit, tool, or mental model that's helping me reach my goals. Hope to see you there. Text me. Hit me up. 1212-380-1036.